Welcome to the Mediate.com podcast with Veronica Kramer. Well, hey there, and thanks for joining me for another great episode of the Mediate.com podcast. Today, I'm excited because we're going to talk all about early dispute resolution and special education. And I'm so thrilled for today's guest. Today's guest is Dr. Ashley Rosenthal. Ashley is a special education mediator, IEP facilitator, and alternative dispute resolution consultant. With over 12 years in special education as a program director, classroom teacher, and coordinator, she has extensive experience working with students, families, teachers, and administrators across various educational settings, private, public, charter, and non-public schools. She holds a California single subject teaching credential as well as an education specialist instruction credential. Ashley earned her master's in dispute resolution from the University of Southern California Gould School of Law after completing her doctorate in education from USC's Rossier School of Education and a master of arts in education from the University of California, Los Angeles. So with that, Ashley, welcome to the Mediate.com podcast and thanks for being here today. Thank you. It's so great being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm really excited to learn about special education mediation. You know, I think, you know, you and I talked a little bit before hitting record and, you know, what I've observed is this is a really niche area that it hasn't been often that I've come across a mediator who mediates these types of disputes. So I'm really interested to learn about what you do. Um, so I thought maybe a helpful way to start is, can you just tell me about how you made that transition from being an educator to being a mediator of special education disputes? Yeah, absolutely. The transition was definitely not a straight line. Um, I started my career as a 10th grade English teacher um, at an NPS school, which stands for non-public school, um, which at the time I had no idea what it was. Uh, I went on a tour and the principal's like, oh, we have these great small class sizes. I'm like, oh, this looks amazing. This sounds awesome. Sign me up. Absolutely. You know, I was getting ready in summer, watching all the teacher movies, um, had Dangerous Minds on repeat. I was like Michelle Pfeiffer. I was going to teach the kids karate. I was ready to go come to school the first week. And it was very different than what I was prepared for and had very early on witnessed um, a lot of conflict in the space and a lot of preventable conflict. And so it became a pretty formative experience for me working in that setting. Um, everything from on my first day of work, a uh, student in um, ninth grade got really upset in another teacher's class and turned the desk over and ran out of the classroom. You know, that's not something that they teach you in your, your teaching credential classes or master's classes necessarily. Um, and so it really got me thinking about how conflict and education intersect with one another. Um, so I kind of laid the groundwork for some changes, but um, I'd say the big change didn't come until after that school sadly shut down, they lost funding. Um, and so all of us were kind of adrift in terms of where to go and what our next steps were going to be. And I had worked in that setting with all special education teachers. And so um, ended up making a transition into um, a setting where I was the only special education teacher. And so I found myself trying to 
um, kind of translate what I do to my colleagues. And there was a lot of conflict in that. Um, and sometimes, you know, that really surprised me, honestly. Um, and I think it was a lot of confusion and mythos that can come with special education. And so it really sparked my investigation into um, what are, what's kind of at root here? Like what's, what's the history or histrionics of, of this conflict in, in education? And so um, I pursued my doctorate at USC and studied all about the special education field and how it came into existence. And the, the long-term history really revealed um, how the field itself was born out of conflict, born out of advocacy. And so it's really embedded in the bones and the bedrock of the program. Um, and I just, I, there had to be a better way, you know, like I, after graduating, um, started to see conflict more and more in my work with families and students. And there being so many misunderstandings between school and home. Um, and outside of Googling how to help families or how to help school administrators navigate conflict, um, I started looking into what are some resources that I can find and actually came across mediation in that capacity and started looking at programs in Southern California that offered mediator training, found USC Gould School of Law, and then pursued my master's in dispute resolution from there um, and then became a mediator, started mediating um, all different types of um, conflict, but really with a focus on special education and bringing those dispute resolution skills into the schooling space. That's very cool. And, you know, that sentiment that you mentioned of there's got to be a better way. I mean, I think that's something that, you know, I've heard other mediators say so often, right? I mean, I, you know, mediation is one of these professions that a lot of us come to it after having done something else for however long we did that other thing for. And uh, yeah, that's interesting because it's like, you know, when you're when you're younger, like I, I have yet to hear of, of anyone say like, oh, when I was five years old, I knew I wanted to be a mediator. And that's how <laughs> I came to this yeah, path, right? right? But right. that it's interesting. It's like this desire to, you know, to to find a better way and, you know, help folks have this shift in awareness. That's that's awesome. And so, you know, as we talk about special education mediation, I mean, I know just in, you know, prepping for today's conversation, um, it seems like there's lots of terms of art that if you have not, you know, worked in this profession, like, like you did, you know, as a special education teacher, that you might not be familiar with the terminology. So I thought maybe that would be a helpful place to start. I mean, can you tell me about some of the terminology that's unique to this field? Yeah, no, Ed, Ed Jargon is riddled in the special education field to the point where you almost feel like you're talking another language when you're at work. Um, and I feel like people will gauge sometimes your understanding. Um, there's been times where I'm like, are people messing with me? Is this even an acronym? I'm not really sure. Um, so uh, yeah, I'd say starting at, at the beginning, you know, an IEP is the big one. Um, that's usually what we're talking about. Um, we're really looking at, or it's part of the conversation in special education, um, conflict management and or mediation. And so an IEP is an individualized education program. It's born out of federal legislation, IDEA or Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. Um, and in there, there's a lot of different, um, you know, jargon that's even embedded 
there um, in terms of, um, you know, service minutes. That's, that's one thing, um, even though not an acronym, it, 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 what it's talking about is what supports um, are going to be provided within the schooling space to a student. Um, I'd say some other things are usually around eligibility in the state of California. There's 13 windows um, or pathways rather into qualifying for special education services. And so that's where you really see acronyms like OHI, so other health impairment um, or SLD, specific learning disability, um, OT for autism, um, and the list goes on and on from there. Uh, but those are just a, a few of the, the ones that come, come to mind, but there's so many different ones. Um, and, you know, even after being in the field for, for over a decade, there's still new ones. There's ones that are adjusting and changing. Like, for example, a big one right now is um, FBA, uh, Functional Behavior Assessment. And that's really looking at um, a battery of tests to... Um, identify what may be going on with a student behaviorally and what are some supports that the school site can provide that are targeted, tailored, and reflective of a child's need. Wow, yeah. And so, you know, so I want to make sure we're, we're kind of getting the framework as well. So when you're mediating, I take it you're mediating between the parents and a representative from the school district or the particular school? Is that how it works? Yeah, typically, you know, every every mediation is different, but I'd say, you know, painting broad strokes, I, the, typically the, the disputants are parent, family, guardian, um, and school district in some capacity. And so a lot of my work in those mediations is making sure that the conversation is accessible. Um, and so I spend a lot of time um, drilling down on terms of art because that can be a barrier to entry um, and or some of the conversations that we'll have in these meetings. Um, some of the conflict arises from a colloquial understanding of a term um, versus, it, versus its application as a term of art. Um, one way that that comes up a lot is actually in... Um, the qualifying stage for special education services, meaning like, you know, does, does a family's child, um, are, are they qualifying for those services? And so explaining to parents that as a school district, school districts are not diagnosing, but they're determining eligibility. And so spending time cracking open um, what that means and what it doesn't mean um, early on can really help even in the mediation itself, because sometimes you know, people be taught, you know, they're talking fast and so many things are coming up. And so um, really slowing the conversation down and ensuring that everyone's kind of calibrated and almost coming up um, with a collective understanding of these terms in each meeting. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, the phrase that was coming to mind as you were sharing that is, you know, I was just sort of thinking about like my basic mediation training and how, you know, you're neutral and you can provide information, not advice, but information, but it seems like, you know, special education mediation, this is one of those areas where if someone's going to mediate this type of dispute, they really need to be informed about the terms of art so that they can be able to explain things to folks in mediation and really be sort of 
like an advocate for clarity, right? Like you're, you're yes. not advocating for either side, but an advocate for clarity so that everyone can make fully informed decisions. That sounds interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think are, and I think you've touched on it a little bit already, but you know, what do you think are the biggest challenges for a mediator in mediating these types of disputes? I mean, I imagine, especially over the past couple of years with COVID and, you know, we all know just from watching the news, just how much schools have been impacted by COVID. Um, what have been the, what have been the biggest challenges or what do you think are the biggest challenges for a mediator? Yeah, I, I I would say some of the biggest challenges um, are communication, really leveraging um, broken relationships or broken trust. Um, oftentimes, when when I come in, um, it's very clear early on, especially in the preparation stage, um, that a trust was broken or a relationship is fractured. Um, and that's really kind of underscoring a lot of what's going on. And so spending time up front, uh, coaching and really listening, empathetically listening to both sides, um, and, and kind of getting a full picture of what's going on. Um, also I'd say, um, time, you know, time, time's been so difficult, um, uh, schools are operating in so many different dynamic ways. Um, and after, you know, the school closures, um, a lot of staffing changes have occurred. And so now positions within the school sites that have historically been um, really focused are now kind of finding themselves having to put on so many different hats. And so trying to find um, dedicated time for school administrators, the school team, the teachers, um, to be able to be very present in a quiet space can be, can be really, um, difficult. Oh yeah, I bet. And, you know, one thing I was reading about, and, you know, I'm not as familiar with it, um, but, you know, I've read that in the special education context. So sometimes what's offered is mediation and other times, you know, an option that's offered to folks is facilitation. And so I was curious to, to get your perspective. I mean, in the special education arena, what's the difference between a mediation versus a facilitation? Yeah, excellent question. Um, so a facilitation uh, usually happens in the IEP process or around the conversation around an IEP. Um, and it typically happens before uh, due process, which is the formal way to resolve disputes through IDEA. Um, and so I actually, very exciting, uh, I'm working for Richard Earhart and Associates, and he and I actually just spent um, about several months, I think over eight sessions, working with a group of special education administrators on co-facilitated IEPs as an opportunity for early dispute resolution um, and training them on skills that they can bring into these meetings um, to help resolve and identify and mitigate conflict early on. Um, but in terms of facilitation, um, it's an opportunity to uh, try to resolve before impasse has happened, or you've kind of hit those first initial glimmers or first blushes of impasse um, versus mediation typically sits 
um, when impasse is kind of more impacted, when it's been not a lot of movement um, on it. And so kind of comes after that as a way um, to intervene prior to going to due process. Okay. So I was curious, like with a, so you mentioned with the trainings that you've done, how you, you're training administrators. So like with a facilitation, would it be um, someone else who, I'd, who I guess would be like moderating that versus in a mediation, you've got, you know, you've got the trained mediator. So is it someone different in a facilitation? Yeah, excellent question. Yeah, so we're looking a lot at a big question that's coming up lately, especially with school administrators, is neutrality. Um, and so sometimes, uh, you know, they'll feel like, oh no, I'm neutral. I don't, I don't work with the the family. I have had not a lot of interactions with them, so I'm neutral. It's like, no, you're a representative of the school, so you can't necessarily hold that neutrality that we're looking for in a facilitated IEP. Um, you know, it's it's a and critical tenant. And so what school districts are doing um, are looking to train uh, parents um, to be facilitators in conjunction with um, administrators and them coming in and supporting or co-facilitating IEPs in other school districts. So they're more removed um, than let's say than an administrator who's working directly with their own district or school site. Um, and so um, it's great because in the co-facilitated model, especially bringing in a parent representative, um, it not only brings the parent lens into the conversation, but it also um, signals to disputants that the district takes parent voice very seriously. Yeah, that sounds really cool. That's really interesting. Um, I, I could see how that's helpful. And so I'm curious, you know, if there is a mediator, you know, out there listening to this podcast, thinking to themselves, hey, you know, I'm a mediator, I would like to get involved in mediating special education disputes, but maybe they don't have a background in special education like you do. Um, I guess maybe that's the first question. I mean, in order to be an effective mediator in the special education arena, now that we know there's there's lots of different terms of art, lots of specialized knowledge that's required. I mean, does one have to have that sort of background? And if you don't, I mean, how can you go about learning it? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I you know, I'd say it definitely helps, especially with all the education jargon. Um, I, I think for both sides, you know, I think for parents, it, it it's helpful. For them to see that there's, you know, a, a baseline of understanding around special education, as well as to when you're working with school sites or um, districts and um, them kind of knowing like, okay, we're there, there's this uh, understanding that's happening. Um, I'd say one of the best pieces of advice that I got was from my uh, mentor and professor, Jason Harper, who suggested um, looking at parent advocate materials. Um, and I found that to be such a helpful suggestion because it takes a lot of the, the jargon and the conversation that can be very specialized in terms of art in special education and brings it to a, a very accessible point. Um, so starting there, uh, going to your local bookstore and finding that or, or you know, partnering with, with them to order that material um, 
can be really, really helpful in terms of getting that baseline understanding. Um, reading IDEA, all that information is in there. Um, that, that's a great place to start as well. Um, LRP publica publications is a great resource as well. They have a lot of great materials on special education um, compliance, and that can really help situate a mediator in the special education conversation. Um, you know, also classes at your local university. I'm starting to see more and more um, classes around um, dispute resolution or dispute management and special education. Also social media. There's, there's some really interesting um, IEP advocate, like parent advocates through the IEP process that have some really amazing trainings and content um, that can really help you start to kind of piece together some of the terminology and understanding. Um, and also, you know, like there's there's been some staffing shortages that are continuing to happen at our local schools. And so getting in um, as a substitute teacher is a great way to kind of tap in, um, provide support to your local schooling sites as well. And it really helps get an understanding of the classroom space, some of the dynamics, the underlying conversations that can happen, um, as well as you uh, having the experience of working with kids in a school setting. Yeah, and yeah, those are a lot of helpful suggestions. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. And I was curious, I wanted to follow up. Um, so you mentioned at the outset, parent advocate materials. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like, what does what does that mean? Yeah, no, so there's these really great resource manuals, I would say, um, that kind of walk, that are, that are oriented towards parents um, or guardians, and they walk you through the IEP process and special education in general. It provides a really good um, landscape of what is special education, what is not, uh, what is something called a 504 plan, and what does that have to do with an IEP? Um, and it walks you through the, the processes, the timelines, um, what might be requested, what needs to be requested. And so that way it really empowers parents and guardians to know, oh, okay, these are my uh, parental rights or these are my child's educational rights. And so the way that these materials are written um, really take and distill down IDEA into a way that's accessible. Yeah, that sounds like a really great resource. And, um, you know, I was curious because I was just thinking, you know, if someone wants to be like a family mediator, they can, you know, pull up yeah. the internet, do a search and find some place that's doing, you know, a, a training, a 40 hour domestic mediation training, or likewise, if someone wants to learn how to, you know, be some other type of mediator, there's those trainings that exist. And yeah. I thought maybe you mentioned that there were some universities that were starting to do training specific to special education. I mean, are there places like it where you could get or, or take a mediation training that's just geared towards special education mediation? Yeah, I mean, there's some that are that are offering courses in that area um, that I'm aware of. Um, like USC, for example, offers a fabulous course on special education um, dispute 
management and resolution. And that's a really great starting point. I think they're looking to kind of, you know, from the student perspective, um, I don't work there, but um, as a student, it looks like they're really um, looking to kind of build that program out, which is very exciting. Um, yeah, there, there's some great programs. Like I know um, Southern California Mediators Associate Mediation Association um, is looking to um, explore special education training as part of their program offerings. Um, so that's exciting. I believe that's coming up in fall of this year. Um, so some of these uh, mediation associations and universities are starting to kind of dip their toes in the water of that training, um, which is really exciting. I think it's so needed. And, um, you know, I think it also helps to outreach to the public of what mediation is. I know for me, when I first started looking at it, like I had to like clear my eyes and be like, wait, is this meditation? Oh, mediation. Wait, I think I know what that means. And so um, it's, it's a, it's really exciting to see some of the things that are, that are coming forward in the mediation field as it relates to special ed. Oh yeah. And I can definitely relate to you on the consumer confusion standpoint, because <laughs> so my, I think I've shared it before in another episode, but my first role in mediation, um, I was a mediator for a local nonprofit, a local nonprofit community mediation center. And so part of my role there was, you know, contacting whenever we would receive like requests for mediation, contact the other side and to see if they were interested in participating. And I don't know how many times people would say, things like, well, I don't, I don't want meditation, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I would have to say, no, 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 like, no, I'm not calling about meditation. That's like something different. I mean, <laughs> I'm calling about mediation. Yes, it's just, yes. no, I totally, I totally get that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I totally follow you there. Well, hey, Ashley, this has been such a great episode. I feel like I've gotten a primer on on special education mediation. And uh, I'm curious, you know, if if other listeners want to reach out to you, connect with you to learn more about what you do and learn more about special education mediation, how can they do so? Yeah, email is the best way to get um, in touch with me. And I'll, I'll make sure to give that to you as well as my website. Um, it's currently under construction, but it is going through a full revamp. So I'm very excited to provide that as well. Well, very cool. Yeah. And whatever information you have available when this gets posted, we'll go ahead and we'll drop that in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Well, very cool. Well, Ashley, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate you coming on the mediate.com podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, friends. That wraps up another great episode of the Mediate.com podcast. We'll talk to you next time. This podcast was brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com's programs and content, please visit our website at www.mediate.com.